This is The Big Interview. I'm Sonal Rupani alongside Chris McCarty and Robbie Greenfield. This is a podcast that delves deep into a myriad of real-life remarkable stories. We do love a good yarn, but beyond that, we explore how individuals find their purpose, how people react to the unexpected, and what happens when they're pushed to the brink. Wade Eastwood is Tom Cruise's right-hand man when it comes to envisioning and bringing to life and executing all of those incredible stunts that Tom Cruise does. Wade Eastwood is always by his side for that. So he's worked on a number of the Mission Impossible movies. I mean, there are so many credits to his name that it's impossible to list them all, but just a few highlights for you. He has been a stunt coordinator for The Rock in Jumanji, uh, for Chris Hemsworth in Men in Black, International Inception, Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I mean, he's worked with so many actors and actresses in Hollywood as well. And as part of his stunt work, he is a fixed wing and helicopter pilot. He's a skydiver and free flyer. He's a rescue scuba diver. He's an air sea rescue crewman. He is an accomplished black belt martial artist. He's a boxer. He's a gold awarded fencer and an offshore yacht skipper. I want all of that verified. Does he have references on that CV? <laughs> because that's just showing off. He's got imagine a cool that. What a go- imagine bumping him. How dispirited would you be if yeah. you met him at a cocktail party? Exactly. <laughs> You're what? You're what? Yeah. <laughs> Are you? Are oh, you do that as well? All right, bye. You just go find a sofa and sit quietly by yourself and not speak to anyone the rest of the night. how little you've achieved (laughs) during life. Well, we we talked about how Wade got into this line, into this field. And, you know, it definitely seemed like this is something he was completely built to do. Because growing up in South Africa, he said his real dream was to be a race car driver. But he said it wasn't easy from South Africa to get into that international scene. His parents also weren't really feeling that. So he couldn't pursue that dream. He also happened to have a passion for film. South Africa growing up, we watched a lot of the American shows. And I grew up watching like the Four Guy, the Dukes of Hazard, the A Team, all those, you know, sort of classics. You know, that was the fact that I was always a, a sort of outdoor sportsman, a sort of extreme athlete of sorts. I was always scuba diving, skydiving, you know, jumping out of helicopters, the SE rescue, and, and I ran for my country 100 meters and 200 meters. So I was, I was a, you know, an athlete. That was my passion for film and cinema, was the sort of next best thing to motor racing for me. And I, and I followed that path. And then as soon as I started, I, I very quickly became addicted, you know, addicted to it. Oh, yeah, he just throws in that yeah. he ran for his country at 102 yeah. also, meters. <laughs> falling into film and cinema as a kind of rebound from failing to get it, make it as a motor racing yeah. driver. And also, he, oh, you know, we we're just hanging out, jumping out of helicopters, as you do. Yeah. Everything's so nonchalant and yeah. casual about that little build-up of his life that we heard there. Uh, he got picked up for his first stunt gig in 1993, and this was the movie. <laughs> A DEA agent leads an elite team into battle against an international drug cartel. It's going to be like taking candy from small children. But what Agent Philip Ryan finds there is more dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) You can imagine it. Just with all those explosions and gunshots in the background. The fact that this film is called Cyborg (laughs) Cop. This is a rip-off of Robocop here. A film that was only shown in South Africa, was it? I love the overly American voiceover and then it's like taking candy. (laughs) Yeah, that film did not do well, I don't think. It was definitely a sort of a B-movie, you know, low-budget. Cyborg Cop. Listen to Wade tell the story because it was eventful from day one for them you know that was uh, that was all action because the dialogue was 
you know, pretty terrible. The performances weren't amazing. So they relied on these sort of big action sequences. And they wanted a bunch of guys to jump out of a, eight guys to jump out of a helicopter into a river. And we're like, yeah, fine. You know, we do that stuff all the time. But there was a few little differences. You know, we were in military fatigues. One of the pilots had never flown film people before. And, you know, as soon as we flew out over the ocean, we're about 500 foot up to come in on approach. He was flying way too fast for uh, for having people out standing on the skids with no wires. We had no safety wires in those days. We had nothing. We didn't have any idea. We were just young boys, surfer boys from the beach, you know. And myself and my friend Cameron were actually, I remember looking at him through the open doors of the helicopter and we were actually getting blown off the skids at 500 foot. So I managed to grab onto a belt inside and I was like hanging by a belt and so was Cameron on the other side. I mean, these days we'd be wired in and we'd have all these safeties and all this sort of stuff, which is sensible. But back then we were just, young boys sort of making it up on these b-movie film sets and you know your learning curve is very steep you either learn or you had an accident yeah we came in and did the jump out the helicopter and all was fine until after the first jump the park sport told us they spotted a pregnant big croc in in the area so they had boats out with sonar equipment and now the whole dynamic changed now what was a simple little fly in and jump whatever 30 feet out of the helicopter into a river was was now jumping into a crocodile infested river and the sort of uh, the sort of risk factor went up a little bit. So that was my first time. Robbie just face. That was number one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Number one. Start as you mean to go on. Yeah, that was his first experience, and he never looked back after that. Hanging off the side of a helicopter with no protective wires to hold him in, he just kind of grabbed a seatbelt from inside to make sure that he didn't fall out. Why can't everyone be as fearless as Wade? I know, seriously. You know, well, imagine the world if people were as fearless as Wade. Oh, there'd be a lot of- There'd be a lot, of, be a lot death. of chaos, to be death honest. And chaos, I think. Let's be Crocodiles honest. Crocodiles would be very full. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And he told me about some of the worst injuries that he's ever personally had, and it won't surprise you to know. Again, it was in the year two thousand. Um, I got knocked out on uh, proof of life on a jump off a waterfall. I popped my sternum out. I got knocked unconscious. I ended up in hospital for a while with that, doing a, a jump off a waterfall into a flat back. That was quite a bad one. Can you elaborate a little bit on that one? Tell me the story. What happened exactly? Uh, so Proof of Life, the movie, we had um, a scene with escaping from the jungle and I doubled one of the actors and we had to jump off this waterfall and the director wanted like the missions of this crucifix jump where I get shot off the edge and they weren't quite sure. So we shot it a bunch of different ways. And um, the director at the time was like, you know, I want you to sort of do a crucifix flat back into the waterfall. So it was about 55, 57 feet to your back. But if we land on the broken water, it should relieve some of that. So I put like a, um, a barefoot wetsuit underneath. So it was a slightly thicker wetsuit. Um, but I knew it was going to hurt, obviously. And there's a lot of stunts that sometimes just do hurt. And I did the first one flat, but I slightly arched my back and gave a bit of a turn. So it wasn't, you know, a little bit of a save, saving. I don't remember hitting the water, but I did pop up next to the boat and I was fine. And then he wanted another one, but even more like a cross, like arms out, like a crucifix. So I did it. And that was the one that it popped my sternum out. And basically I went unconscious and I got medevac. I ended up getting treated at the helicopter. And then we came back and did it again. And I did the jump, but they wanted something different. They wanted the person to go off and roll onto their side, which was obviously the easier one to do. The flat back was the harder. So that was something that you, back in the day, that was, you know, but I got over that injury 100%. You know, always have back pains and things. That's part of any profession where you're sort of abusing your body slightly. But 
my biggest injury was probably breaking my talus bone on Mission Fallout, which was with my team. We went out for a little motocross jaunt down the coast, a little sort of, you know, everyone get together and let's go ride some bikes together safely and quietly without going crazy, which is what my brief was. And then I ended up injuring myself. When you do a stunt <laughs> like that and you go, basically, you do a back dive 57 feet and land flat on your back oh. in water and the guy goes, we didn't quite get that. We need another take. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. You have to pluck up the, just, just to build up to actually doing it. I, I imagine it's water off a duck's back for Wade. Yeah, I but mean, can you imagine being asked like to do another it, take? The way that he was talking about it, yeah, it seemed like nothing to him. But I have to admit, I was quite taken aback because I had always assumed those kind of scenes, like a, a body going down a waterfall. I was assumed that was a dummy. I never, it never occurred to me that was a real stunt actor that was actually jumping off the waterfall. So I kind of probed him a little bit more there because I was so astonished. And a little bit more of a detail turned out that showed it was even more dangerous than we originally heard. I had a very small area to hit because I wanted to hit in the broken water, obviously. Um, but also there's a lot of trees and stuff that had come down the river from the top the week prior. The day before it, actually, I went for my last safety dive. Uh, I did it. I always check everything myself. I don't. It's just the way I always have been. So I went down and dived with another uh, stunt guy and um, noticed after we were given the all clear that it was all fine, there was a massive tree trunk had come over the waterfall and there was a branch of the tree sticking up and it was one foot underwater below where I was landing. It would have literally just kebab skewered me completely right in my impact zone. So we got a, a, like a, a bandsaw out and we literally went through five tanks of air each cutting this log up underwater under this waterfall we're like clipped in stop us getting spat out and we cut it up so then you know we managed to do the stunt but it was all, all these little things like you have to prep and you have to check and you have to double triple quadruple check that's the only way you you remain safe if you don't then you're a daredevil not a stuntman in, in my opinion no way you're a daredevil this is ridiculous <laughs> that is ridiculous that's not an oops yeah <laughs> You don't go down there and go, oh, I'd have been completely skewered there. Oops, yeah. let's remove that. That's a that's something you check beforehand. That's egregious. Well, that's his point. He does. He said he checks everything himself beforehand. And I thought, okay, yeah, good that you do that. But what if you didn't? Isn't that the team's responsibility, whoever's making the movie? And his response to that, because I asked him, did you lose faith in the team after noticing that they had missed something so huge under the water that would have, as we heard, skewered him? He said there was no real team. They were in the middle of the jungle in Ecuador. It wasn't a real film crew per se. It was a cowboy crew, he said. So here I am thinking, okay, this is another one of his B-movies. But then I look into Proof of Life. Good film. Russell Crowe and Meg Ryan. It mm -hmm. looked like a kind of a blockbuster type. They actually got together in real life after this movie. Huh? Yeah, Meg. She left. She was married to one of the Quades, if memory serves Yeah, me. that's right. Yeah. You've got a little trailer of the film here? Yeah, or a little exactly. clip? What is KNR? Kidnapping ransom. What happens now? This is a game. It's a game you play whether you like it or not. Peter's not a game. For you, it's emotional. For the people holding Peter, it's a business. I want to see it just to see that stunt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... It's a decent movie. I've got a vision of it in my head. It sounds insane. Back diving, landing yeah. flat on the back. That's like hitting... At that From that height, that would really hurt. We're and doing a reverse belly flop, essentially. Yeah. Well, the thing, too, is he had the difficult one that the director wanted him to do, the crucifix kind of um, pose. So he's done all these difficult ones. That's the one that's injured him. And then after he's done all that, the director's like, nah, actually, let's do one where your body's a little bit more curved. And that's the one. That he used, they used the easy one. 
in the final cut of the film. But since then, as we mentioned, he's gone on to work with some of the biggest names in Hollywood. So this was the part of the interview where, listen, he he does not get starstruck. He was not somebody who was looking to dish the dirt on people he's worked with in Hollywood. But but I did pry a little bit because I knew, Chris, that this is what you would, oh, yes. would want to hear a little bit more about. His most significant working relationship has been so far with Tom Cruise. We're like very close. We're like an annoying big brother, you know, sometimes um, on set we've developed this really strong relationship. He's very aware that he is going, he wants to do everything. And it's not, for, he doesn't want to do everything from an ego point of view. He wants to do everything because he wants to do everything. It's simple as that. It would, the easiest way I can describe it is if I suddenly became an actor, there's no way in hell I would let someone else do my stunts for me. No chance. Cause that's the stuff I love doing. That's the fun stuff. When you're learning a new skill like helicopter flying or a martial arts skill or, or anything, it's, the learning curve, having that learning curve and learning it, it's just, that's the fun part. Why would you give that to someone else? Or you just do all the boring stuff, you know? So that is Tom's reason for doing it. He really genuinely enjoys it. So I, I always put together the teams, um, whether it's my aerial team, you know, my fight team. I have a very strong team. And when he wants to learn a new discipline, I mean, he's, that's when he's in his element. And he gets to learn it to a level that is, I have a very high standard, like a you know, world-class standard, because he's being taught by some of the best in the world. Tom does definitely a lot more because he's a pilot. He flies fixed wing. He flies helicopters. He does martial arts. He does boxing. He drifts cars. That's all him drifting. You know, we do a lot of drifting work together. That's all him driving. It's all him motorcycle riding. You know, there's a lot of disciplines. To be at a level where you can't just do it well, but you can do it well and act. Like, I can get in a car and drift it all day long and get a motorbike and wheelie it or jump it or do whatever, fly a helicopter. But to do that and act and give performance and know where the camera is and know where the light is and know that you're not playing yourself. I'm doing those things as Wade. He's not doing them as Tom Cruise. He's doing them as Ethan Hunt or whatever his character is. You know what? Say what you want about TC, mm. but you've got it off your cut in your car. <laughs> because, oh, Tommy Cruise, yeah. you've got it off your cap to a man that is not only as, listen, he said it right there, did Wade, he can act, but he also puts himself in arm's way. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the distinction, and I, I guess I'd never really registered it until I heard Wade say it like that. Okay, it's one thing to do the stunts, but to know where the cameras are. And the little momentary expressions that create that level of tension and drama, that little bit extra that you have to give to that performance while you're doing this death-defying stunt is actually really impressive. Does he do the death-defying stunts that the really yeah. Yeah. death-defying stunts? Yeah, he absolutely stunts? does. So let me, well, you know, one of the examples we talked about quite a bit was um, Mission Impossible Fallout. I think this came out in 2018. Did you guys terrible. see it? Yeah, it was awful. It was a terrible Ooh, movie. Awful. I mean, the dialogue, the plot, all of it was a complete nonsense. But... <laughs> That hell, like that hell, that helicopter scene. <laughs> the helicopter scene is amazing. Or when he jumps from one to another. Well, I mean, it starts with this kind of big mass of, of rope hanging from a helicopter, and he climbs up of up it Takes while he is up in the air. I mean, Tom Cruise is actually doing that. He is actually. He is. He's oh actually God. climbing up this rope into the helicopter while it is going up into the air. You know. One of the things that I had heard around the time that this movie came out is that um, this all happened because Tom Cruise decided he had recently learned how to pilot a helicopter. And he said, yeah, I basically want to show off my skills or sort of put my skills to the test. So I did ask, wait, is that what, how did it, how did this all really happen? Tom's already an accomplished pilot, fixed wing pilot. 
Um, you know, he has his own plane, his Mustang and stuff that he flies around, his vintage plane. He's a, he's a you know, very good fixed-wing pilot, has been for many years. He's an aviator for sure. And he skydives, you know, he does a lot of things in the air. But he had never really done his helicopter license. So I'd, I'd done my helicopter license when I was really young, and it's been a passion of mine. So if we ever flew anywhere in a helicopter, normally, you know, I would, I would fly, fly us and we'd bomb around from meeting to meeting or training ground or racetrack to racetrack, whatever we're training or, uh, or doing. Um, and he always sort of loved it. And we talked about New Zealand a lot because I did my helicopter license down in Wanaka. You know, it, it was learning to fly in the mountains. So I was talking to Tom about that. And he was like, oh, you know, I did Samurai in New Zealand. I love that country. It's amazing for flying. And we got chatting and more and more and more. And then he was like, he was just talking. He's like, yeah, I want to do my helicopter license. So Wade and Tom Cruise talking choppers at lunch. Then, you know, they decided, okay, well, let's go down there and see what we can do. So Wade goes down by himself to New Zealand. He shoots some footage, creates a rough sequence, comes back, shows it to Tom and to Chris McQuarrie, who's the director of Mission Impossible uh, Fallout. And they say, yeah, looks great. Let's make it work. Essentially, that's that's it. it. He's put together a rough idea. And that's when then, and this is how he describes it. He says, I fill the bucket. And then we go through the bucket. We kind of sift through it. And then we make this thing that's really strong, that fits the story. And it all just kind of flows from there. Also, what about fight scenes? Because there's one thing to do sort of a big action sequence. But sometimes the most impressive sequences are the ones where it's just, you know, face-to-face combat. Do you remember the intense fighting scene that took place in the bathroom? There's a white bathroom, very pristine, sort of, sort of near the beginning of the movie. There's a fight uh, scene that takes place in the stalls. I fell asleep pretty early on in that movie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was no dash, put it that way. Uh, he said the way that they approach something like this is they start the, the sequence with thinking, what are we trying to achieve from these two characters by the time we leave the scene? Okay. So it really is tied to the story. And then where do you do it? So they think about the different possible venues. They decided to go with the bathroom. Then the props team is going to rebuild a sort of set around this. And that's when he starts working with his team to build a sequence. So they throw out some ideas of what to do, what moves to do. And his focus, he says, is always how do you build the tension? How do you keep the audience at the edge of the seat? Sort of the hardest thing for me and the most frustrating is Ah, I've been, been done before, seen that, done it. I'm just not convinced. And and then we get into the sort of fight style of things. And it's like, obviously, Ethan has a character. We've seen he fights a certain style. Um, we have Henry Cavill join us in that movie, who was absolutely phenomenal. And we'd bring him in. And we, we've been training with Henry a bunch and other stuff. And I sort of looked at him and, you know, where he went to school, sort of rugby boy type, you know, quite a bruiser, you know, sort of we call him Hammer, the Hammer Fist. And, just looking at his form, he's such a, you know, big guy. And he just, the way he moved, which is like, you know, it's just like a sort of fierce boxer, just like a real scrapper, like a brawler is what, we, what we're thinking. So we create a style. So <clears throat> Ethan already has a style with his, with his fighting looks. We've seen it in Mission Impossible 1 through 5. And we, all we can do then is sort of is hone his skills, is slightly sharpen his style, is make it sort of Ethan 2.0. So I can't suddenly change a style. The audience is going to be like, well, why, why the hell is he doing all these moves suddenly? That's not Ethan Hunt. And with, with Henry, we could build a whole new style. And then we merge their two styles together, fighting our opponent, Lark. We create the scene. I do it with my stunt doubles and my, my team. It's a very frustrating but rewarding process for weeks and weeks. And we create something that we then all look at and literally sort of get the goosebump effect. If we're not all looking at each other and like smiling, it goes in the bin and we start again. I know I've said this many times on this show, 
<laughs> but what a cool job <laughs> he has got. I've got a new appreciation yeah. for Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah, I never thought that those sequences took quite so long. Weeks and weeks oh, just yeah. to make the sequence. Then him and his team have to show it to the director. The director then has to prove it. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. And then they train each of the actors individually. So Henry Cavill, Tom Cruise are not working together. They're getting trained independently with the stuntmen. And only when both of the actors are perfect at those scenes do they then put them together. It's like a real fight. Yeah. That's, that's quite cool. Yeah. Henry Cavill, of course, of Superman fame. Oh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a great fight scene I've forgotten about. But right. I'll tell Is you that a, what you've been doing? Yeah. Quiet, the final, busying away the for the last five minutes. The final fight scene in Snatch. I've not seen it. Mm, I have seen Brad it, but Pitt. don't recall. Yeah, producer Tom's not happy with me. I've, I've still not seen Guy Ritchie. Not a fan, truth be told. But oh, How could you not like Lock, Stock and Two Smoking I've not Barrels? seen either. I've I mean, not seen that either. Well, then how can you not be a fan of Guy Ritchie if you've not seen because his two I've best films? Because I've seen all the other nonsense The rest that he's, he's done, done is nonsense. You've got to watch those two films. Chris, I'm, I'm disappointed in you. I know. Sorry. Anyway, sons. Okay. Well, we talked a lot about Tom Cruise, so moving on from Mission Impossible. All right. I did also want to pick his brain a little bit with celebrities that he's worked with. And now he did point out he does not get starstruck. He said he's he's wowed by people who invent things, who create things, or who explore. Somebody just being an actor, to him, that's just a job. Doesn't mean a whole lot to him. That being said, I asked him who has impressed him in Hollywood in terms of their eagerness, their ability to get involved in stunt work. I've worked with Jackie Chan as well, um, very little bit, and he is obviously amazing. People that have, another actors that have really sort of wowed me with their, with their want, their desire to do things, even when they don't have to, you know, action-wise, definitely Angelina Jolie. She's um, y- unique person as well, and very gung-ho, absolutely does everything, goes for everything. Um, not scared of heights. That's her favorite. She loves heights. You hang her upside down, 500 feet, she'd be laughing. So she is exceptional um, when it came to action as well. Brad Pitt definitely goes for it with action and stuff as well. Chris Hemsworth, uh, absolute legend, one of the greatest guys I've ever worked with for sure. Um, and, uh, and definitely Hugh Jackman. Um, I would say that Angie, Hugh and Hemsy were, and Chris Hemsworth are probably the the sort of top three for me, along with Tom there, for, for doing stuff. Come on, though, Weed. Hemsy. <laughs> Hemsy. That's the kind of thing you do, exactly. having met him once. Exactly. Or me and Hemsy. <laughs> oh, I've got to laugh at that. He listed a fair few actors. He did, but I know there's only one actor you guys really care about. Yes. Arnold Schwarzenegger. What's he actually like behind the scenes? And we're talking Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Have you seen it? I have seen Rise of the yeah? Machines. Thoughts, feelings? Mm, no. It's no Terminator 2. Yeah, I've seen Terminator 3. Yeah, it was watchable, but I mean, 1 and 2 are among the greatest films of all time. It's the greatest sequel. Certainly the Judgment greatest Day. sci-fi films. Yeah. Yeah, oh, Terminator 2. You could watch it now. It stood the test of time as well. It's a bit like Jurassic Park in that regard. It's the best sequel. Also, you run like the T-1000, which is it a... Thank you for that, special. Bob. I do run like the team. <laughs> like we the had a bit. In fella. fact, producer Tom <laughs> he did made brilliant. a great video. We should probably, I reckon we should reincarnate that video. Yeah, and stick it up give in it, Give it new life. Yeah, fine. <laughs> well, Wade was working on Terminator 3. And considering how you guys feel about Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, I had to ask, what is the man like? I was the uh, assistant stunt coordinator on that movie, and I doubled Nick Stahl, the other actor in the, in the pickup truck. I only doubled Arnie for for one shot and that was when the um i drove the hearse underneath the truck and took the roof off and then went down the bank i drove the car for that my first memory of actually meeting arnie was in the makeup chair i was in makeup for so long having all the little steel bits 
prosthetics put on my face and stuff because <clears throat> after the, the roof comes off, obviously you sit up and drive a car with no roof down the bank. And so I was sitting in the, in the chair and you sort of slightly fall asleep, it's like four in the morning prosthetics. And Arnie walks in during his time. He's just such a presence. I mean, the guy has got, he's just, again, I'm not starstruck, never have been, but he has such a presence. I mean, he's so big. His face, his hands, his, his, his voice bellows. And he's, he's just he's sort of epitome of cool. He's just, you know, everything he's like is just cool. The way he says morning, uh, hi to everyone. Everything is just like, you just can't help but notice it. He's just got that presence. I don't know how to describe it. But anyway, he sits down in the chair next to me. I've never met him before. He literally leans straight over, such a gentleman, you know, shakes my hand. He's like, you, you know, you look like, you know, <laughs> a very gentle, subtle swear word, you know, looking at me getting made up to look like him. And just cracked jokes and just sat there and read the paper. And he's just, just the nicest guy. And then after that, you know, I, I was, you know, we hung out a few times with, with all of us. He would invite us out like, you know, cigar night at his restaurant that he had and we'd go for cigar nights and dinners and just one of the guys would all be all his Austrian mates from you know back home and just friends and so for your your colleagues that you work with uh, only good stories and, and and anyone that knows me knows if I didn't have a good story I would just not tell it a cigar night with oh. Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> oh my lord I was really fearful that that would that would ruin somewhat our our somewhat rose tinted impression of Arnie, but it's only just gone and enhanced it. Yeah, exactly. The oh. opposite. He is he is everything you thought he was and more. Thanks for listening, and if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you could subscribe, rate, and give us a review. We hope you join us next time on the Big Interview.